Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for December 15th, 2019. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Amy Jacks Dean, co-pastor with Russ Dean at Park Road Baptist Church. Her sermon today is entitled, The Gift of Joy in Faith. He gives big shout-outs to my home Palmetto State. Savannah Guthrie combines the grit of an attorney when she needs to while being starstruck with all of Hollywood influence that crosses across the morning news stages. And then there's the Al Roker meteorologist staple that lends some old-school vibe to the youngsters that are taking over the airwaves. But it's Hoda Kotb that's my favorite. I think it's her smile that gets me. That and the fact that she just exudes joy. Now, she gets a lot of backlash if you follow her Twitter. And, and it's like nobody can be that happy. And her life is just so perfect. And we can't stand her. Because people don't like joy, I guess. It's not that she has lived a perfectly charmed life. She's been through a divorce. She's battled breast cancer. She found true love a bit late in her life, and it wasn't until her 50s that she decided to adopt. Her first daughter she named Haley Joy. Her second daughter is Hope Catherine. I wonder if she intended to include some Advent blessing when she named her children. Every single morning, I get ready for work to the sounds of the Today Show. I watch with special attentiveness to the first 17 or 18 minutes. That's the headline news. That's where I start my day with typically the worst news from our own country and from around the world. Whether it's a natural disaster or a mass shooting or utter inept chaos arising from either Capitol Hill or the White House, in 18 minutes, I feel that I'm pretty well informed to face the day, usually depressingly so. From there on, it's stories of interest, some medical advice, coupled with the latest out of Hollywood. But it's 8.05 that I'm really waiting for. And if I have to leave before 8.05, which I often do, it's okay. I'm recording every single episode to watch when I get home if I miss something in the morning. Plenty of times in the evening before I call it a day, I may have missed the whole episode of that day's Today Show. But before I lay my head on the pillow, I will rewind to 8.05 a.m. of that day's show to watch my favorite two minutes of morning television that happens five days a week. It's Hoda's Morning Boost. Have you seen these? Already you Good Morning America people are thinking, I'm switching to today. You see, from 8 to 8.05, they review the headlines that are almost always bad. But at 8.05, what NBC and Hoda Kotb promises us is one to two minutes of good news. Something that either warms your heart or makes you laugh or brings a tear to to your eyes, or a smile to your face. If Hoda's not there, Craig or Savannah will cover it for her. 
It's still called Hoda's morning boost, even when Hoda is not there. And we all know Hoda's not picking it out. Her producers are doing it. But she has named it and claimed it, and it's her morning boost. And it's a brief moment of joy that comes our way, and I cannot live without it. My day is not complete without Hoda's morning boost. I think what I love the most about it is that it's a reminder that even in the midst of the worst news, even in the tragic, the depressing, the chaotic brokenness of this world, there is still room for joy. Hoda's morning boost is not our only reminder of that. The Gospel of Luke is here to help as well. Today's text is nestled between two stories. The first story we didn't read, but this is what leads up to what I read earlier, is the angel's announcement to Mary that began with the classic, Fear not, you have found favor with God. You will bear a son. You will name him Jesus. He will be great. And then right after what I read this morning is Mary's most famous song about bringing down the powerful and lifting up the lowly and filling the hungry with good things. It's in between these two scenes that Mary goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth. The angel in that opening scene that I didn't read had dropped the news on Mary about Elizabeth who thinks she will never have a child that indeed, after all, She's going to be a mother. Despite her age, despite her circumstances, she is with child. And Mary, who's not prepared at all to be a mother, finds out that she too is with child. These cousins, an older one and her son, will close out one age. And the other, younger one, whose son will usher in a new age to come. And when the two cousins meet up before the boys are even born, Elizabeth's baby leaps for joy. I wonder if it's the same kind of joy that John will eventually feel when Jesus comes to him and asks to be baptized by his cousin, the forerunner, the stage setter, the preparer of the way. You see, about 30 years after this scene that we read this morning, down by the River Jordan, where John was baptizing his disciples, you know, preachers and prophets were a dime of dozen, and John was among many. He proclaimed that another one was coming after him, one that John himself would not be worthy to untie this one's shoes. John was proclaiming that this one, his cousin Jesus, would be the one to follow. This Jesus would be the one to change the world. This Jesus would be the preacher and the prophet that, the real, that was the real deal, unlike all the others, including John himself. So I can only imagine on that day when Jesus walks up to cousin John and says, I want you to baptize me. That John leaped for joy once again, just like he had done that first time when he was in the presence of Jesus, womb to womb. Only this time it's man to man. We read these stories and all the pristine and simple beauty that our cultural appropriations have afforded them. The stories are sweet 
and sentimental. They give us warm fuzzies because these are the most familiar stories. And they're always coupled with the twinkling lights of a tree with presents serving as the undergrowth. These stories lead up to that moment that's coming to us in just a week and a half. Can you believe it? Where angels will announce to us yet again good news of great joy which shall be to all people. A babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger is coming our way yet again. But let us not be fooled by our own sometimes sappy approach to these stories. These two women knew hard times. They were women living in biblical times. Need I say more? Life was not easy. And Elizabeth knew the shame attached to barrenness. That word just oozes humiliation. She knew not just the personal heartache of wanting to be a mother, but couple that with the questions and speculations about what's wrong with her that she cannot bear a child. And Mary, well, she knew the shame of being a young an unwed mother. Even in these most difficult moments, there was a place for joy. You see, I think those two women got together and we paint this picture as, oh, yippee, they got together. It must have been grand. I think they were so embarrassed and so humiliated by a culture that tore them down that they had nowhere else to turn but to each other, and they gathered in Elizabeth's home and probably cried for three solid months. But in the midst of that time, whether I'm right or not, there was a place for joy. When the two women came together, There was a space for joy even in the midst of their confusion and humiliation and their fear. If I could give you a gift today, it would be the gift of joy in faith. I'm not talking about happiness. I'm not talking about offering some giddy fun. I'm not suggesting that a life of faith is all cheery and delightful and full of glee. Joy is deeper than that. And we can do two things at one time. Even the worst multitasker in the world can manage this. You can be disappointed and still have joy. You can be steeped in the most agonizing grief there is. And still experience joy. You can be terrified about what lies ahead. And still feel joy. You can be so wounded by something in your past. And still understand joy. You can be so frustrated with your current situation and still know joy. 
It doesn't have to be either or. It can be both and. Just look at Mary and Elizabeth. They had more sorrow, more shame, more humiliation, more fear than anything. And John still leaped for joy in his mother's womb. It's our 20th go-round of preparing a community of faith to experience the Christ child again. What always strikes me is this. There is nothing new to say. Every single year, it's the same old story with the same old words. Hope, peace, joy. Love, baby Jesus. It doesn't get mixed up at all. Every single year we present these words in the midst of a world that seems hopeless. Every year we present these words in a world that is unsettled and despairing and full of hate or worse, full of apathy. I look around and I listen and I am keenly aware That no one, not one single person is actually roasting chestnuts by an open fire. Not one. And Jack Frost, he's more likely out there killing the homeless. Songs are playing on every station about it being the most wonderful time of the year. And yet, that's just not true for a lot of people. We fed 150 men lunch at the Uptown Men's Shelter yesterday. It's not the most wonderful time of the year for them. As a matter of fact, it's the worst time of the year for them. How dare they play that song? It's the worst time of the year to be homeless when everybody else is with family and happy and has a roof over their heads. It's the worst time of the year. Last night, we housed 12 men as our homeless guests in Room in the Inn in the youth building. It's not the most wonderful time of the year. Our televisions have broadcast hours upon hours of hearings of the back and forth, vehement disagreement among our politicians that represent the disparity among the citizens of our own country and our own church even. And in the midst of all of that, I have the audacity to offer you the gift of joy today. Well, I just want to be that audacious. Here I go. Joy comes to us when college students come home. Mine's not here yet. Anticipatory joy is almost as good. Joy comes to us in the birth of babies, even when they have to spend a day or two in the NICU. Joy comes to us in the sharing of good food and good drink among good friends. Joy comes to us in finding the perfect gift for that not-as-perfect someone. And the anticipation of them opening it, that is joy. 
Joy comes to us in a cup of hot chocolate with little marshmallows, preferably by fire, though that's not required, the fire nor the marshmallows. Joy comes to us at the thought of a snow-covered ground. Joy comes to us in the beauty of a sunrise or preferably a sunset for me because joy is harder to come by in the morning. I really, really wanted you to laugh at that because, <laughs> because my next one is maybe my best joy. Joy comes when we make someone laugh. Joy comes to us when the choir sings their beautiful melodies accompanied by the harmonies. Joy comes to us all the time in the midst of pain and suffering and brokenness and despair. We can do two things at one time. We can be worried sick, wringing our hands, and have joy. Joy comes to us as faithfully as Hoda's morning boost. And as surprisingly as a baby leaping for joy in his mother's womb when he finds himself in the presence of Jesus. The good news of great joy is coming again. And it's my job to tell you about it. You pay me to do it. This past week, Time Magazine released its coveted Person of the Year. A little aside, the Today Show is the one that says it first. Don't mean to be pushy. So, the person of the year was named, and a couple of days later, I was listening to an NPR story, and Greta Thunberg said this, since some people are not listening to what I'm saying about climate change, I will just keep repeating it. I looked at my radio in my car, and I said, I feel you, Greta. I just keep saying the same things over and over and over again. Even with all the evidence to the contrary, the news of the gospel is good. I don't know how to say it any more simply than that. I want a new way to say it. The news of the gospel is good. Just keep telling yourself that. Nobody else is going to tell you but here. And that's why you come and you tune into this station on a fairly regular basis because you have to be reminded of it. It's tears and laughter that are the perfect combination to helping us to live life to the fullest. And since some people are not listening to what I'm saying about the love of God and the way of Jesus, I will just keep repeating it. Joy will come as we house the homeless and feed the hungry. Joy will come as we make room for the outcast. Joy will come as we make space for unexpected mercies received and given. Joy will come when the valleys are lifted up and the rough places are made smooth and plain. Joy will come when the last are first and the first are last. Joy will come when the poor are invited as special guests to our banquet feast. Have you heard this before? And joy will come every single time we decide to find it. And every single time we decide to see it. 
And every single time we decide to make it happen. I've said all of this so many times before, but I guess I'll just have to keep repeating it. You keep paying me, I'll keep reminding you. For today, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your sorrow, in the midst of your sadness, in the midst of your disappointment, in the midst of your despair, in the midst of your chaos, and in the midst of your brokenness, my gift to you is joy. Joy. Just a little tiny bit of joy. May it be so. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you.